Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our first off-season episode of 2021. Earlier today, we heard from Bears Chairman George McCaskey, President Ted Phillips, General Manager Ryan Pace, and Head Coach Matt Nagy, who all shared a whole lot of, how do I frame this kindly, poppycock? I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Join with me as my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are here to share our takeaways from today's press conference and the news that Really, the only major change so far from an organizational standpoint is the, quote, retirement of defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano. Nick, we're only a few days removed from the Bears' first-round exit in the playoffs, and even though everyone, Ted, George, Pace, and Aggie, all mentioned that they're frustrated with the results of the team, but really it didn't feel like the front office was on edge, as reported yesterday. It didn't feel like they had much of a clue at what changes really need to be made to right the ship other than Weirdly enough, stay the course with the current leadership. And before we dive into any specifics, which there aren't many that came out today, I'm just curious, Nick, what is your sense of the tone uh, that we heard from the Bears brass? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, Will, because there wasn't any, it didn't seem like there was a sense of urgency. And you saw many times throughout this press conference, whether it was Nagy, Pace, uh, Phillips or McCaskey, like we're we're three days removed from the season. We're now going to start getting to the evaluation of things. So it's like, I get that. Maybe you want to take a break or whatever, but there wasn't that sense of urgency with everything that's wrong with this Bears organization. It would, I would have felt like if I was in charge like that, they would have already had their homework already would have had, you know, steps in place for what they want to do. Like right now, not, not give the answers that they gave, which again, like you mentioned, well, were a lot of nothing. So it just seemed like there was a lack of urgency and the tone was that everyone felt good about where they're at in terms of their job security because that's because they're all back. So that's that's the, the reality of the situation. Okay, so and on top of lack of urgency, do you also come away with the same understanding that there wasn't any accountability with 
anybody in this organization? Absolutely, Will. And I, you know, I'll, I'll scroll through Twitter to find the tweet from Lawrence Holmes, but when you don't have accountability for any, like there is no accountability when they're not giving it to anyone. Right. So exactly. Like no one's to blame for this. It's another eight and eight season. And there wasn't any finger pointing as to whose fault it was. And, you know, they're not going to throw anybody under the bus, but yeah, it's a very good point. Nobody is being held accountable for another disappointing season, another eight and eight season that obviously fell short of what bears fans are expecting. And of course the organization, Right. It really felt like everybody was kind of okay with the status quo. Like we like everybody in the building. Everyone works well together and we can figure it out as long as we stick together. But at the same time, McCaskey and Ted Phillips really did kind of set the stage for a do or die season for both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, just by it almost felt like putting putting the blame at their feet, but also just like, I guess, deferring to them. Like, well, there are football guys and we believe they work well together and they have a strong relationship and it's up to them to find the success this season and we're hoping that they can do it. That's pretty much, if you want to know the press conference in a nutshell, I think that's it. Yeah, well, the collaboration, right? Oh my goodness, I heard that word so often. Here's a, here's a tweet from Lawrence Holmes. He said, collaboration is slick corporate speak. If everybody's responsible then nobody is responsible or accountable. And that's exactly true. And that's exactly what played out in this, what, hour, almost two hour long press conference between all four of the people that spoke today. But yeah, exactly. Collaboration. They feel good about who's in charge. And again, we'll we'll have to see how 2021 actually plays out. All right. So here's what we're going to do today in this episode. That was just kind of just us getting some things off of our chest, getting the frame right. We'll talk about... George and Ted's press conference. We'll also tie in what Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace had to say to get today. And then we'll also talk about Chuck uh, Pagano's retirement, as they're putting it, and looking at some potential replacements out there as well right now as we kind of kickstart our 2021 offseason. But Nick, are you ready to try to dive into this minutia of information, I guess, was that was put forward here today? We could try, Will. Let's try to dissect this and see what we can get out of it. Okay, so I want to start with George and Ted and really with them talking about the culture and how they believe that Nagy and Paste are strong leaders and sticking with them is what could be the fastest track to keep the Bears or at least get them back to winning ways. I actually do have a clip that we can listen to and then let's talk about it. Both Ryan and Matt were instrumental in holding the team together. We're not happy and we're far from satisfied. Making the playoffs is a step in the right direction, but it's not enough. We need to win in the playoffs and we need to compete for and win a championship. We know we need to get better. We believe that Ryan and Matt are excellent leaders. They have each had successes and failures, but the path to winning is rarely linear and we feel that the strong ability of Ryan and Matt to work together to build a shared vision of success is the fastest way towards building a consistently winning organization. And we trust Ryan and Matt to be solution oriented and to continue to work through all those challenges together and get us on the right path towards being a winning Chicago Bears team. Okay, Nick. So to start this off, this is now 
the start of year three for these two working together, how should we expect it to be any different than what we've seen so far? Like they're trying to sell us. And I understand, like he mentioned, uh, this was, that was Ted Phillips. Success is not always linear. You hear, you see that in all the books, all the motivational speakers, you're going to have, you know, valleys and you're going to have some low points as well. And I'm just curious for your point, Nick, how can you expect Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, if we stick with this status quo of them working together and collaborating, is the word, to really do anything that we already haven't seen? Well, Will, it's because of the way they collaborate. That's what I have quoted here. That's why we should have this confidence that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace can turn this thing around because of the way they collaborate. But to be completely honest, I don't know, Will. Like they Throughout this this uh, press conference today, they, they pointed to that six-game losing streak and how they handled it as a positive. They've turned it into a positive light. So they're like, if they can handle this adversity and they can also handle – they mentioned handle winning – in 2018 you see how they handled winning in 2018 they went to an eight and eight season right after you see what happens when they had that six game losing streak what they won three and then still lost the last two most important games so where is the confidence that even if these two can collaborate really well it hasn't resulted in anything on the field what two playoff appearances i get that but nothing to no playoff win so this shouldn't be confidence, but they just the whole message that they were trying to say is that because these two can collaborate so well, you should have confidence in them to get out of this rut. But there hasn't been any evidence that they can actually do that. Right. And we haven't seen it. And another thing that I'm trying to really grasp at all afternoon, I've just been trying to work it through in my head and they kept hitting it over and over again. It's Ryan Pace's and Matt Nagy's ability to learn from their mistakes after self-reflection and when it comes to Matt Nagy and his big ego and his unwillingness to really get out of the play calls as much as we all believe he should, I just have a hard time seeing any evidence of either of these guys learning from any mistake. And we'll talk about their press conference later. And Ryan Pace was directly asked, what did you learn from the Trubisky-Mahomes botch? And he walked right over that question without even acknowledging it, which again, how do you look at these two and say, you know what? Those are guys that learn from their mistakes. I, I just don't understand how you come to that conclusion. No, neither do I, Will. And like, just to quickly hit on like adaptability was one of the positives that, you know, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips mentioned. They came in and adapt at halftime, Will. We saw the third quarter every single time. Like, they're asking about the – or talking about the adaptability. And I immediately thought, well, what about every time that team went into, you know – Halftime, it came out the third quarter. They can't even adapt there. Like, bullcrap answer about the adaptability because that's the first thing I thought about. What about the performance on the field? They showed no way of adapting right then and there. They did not. And when we, uh, when they were asked about what leads this team to believe that after two seasons of what they're going to call adversity, which maybe is a very polite way to kind of frame the last two seasons and just sticking together through it and that the team is positioned to overcome it and get to a point where, you know, this adversity does not lead uh, need to be dealt with any further and we can actually celebrate some successes. This is what George McCaskey had to say about getting to a point without any adversity. Well, um, that's a good question. Um, we need to see improvement. Uh, we're not satisfied with where we are now. But we think that both Ryan and Matt are the people best able to lead us to success. Okay, so again, putting it to Matt and Ryan, and it's on them, 
but they need to see success. We're not seeing success. And the only way to get success is running this marathon that we're continuing to uh, be dehydrated through. And I, I just feel like it's almost the definition of insanity. Like we need to see better results, but in order to get these better results, we need to stick with what we're doing. And it just, that was the whole theme back and forth for another 45 minutes with these two. And I don't know, it's hard to even respond to that clip with anything of substance because itself was just complete, just, well, crap. Nothing too. And like how they came to, to the conclusion of bringing them Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace back was, and they kept mentioning this, the body of work, Will, the body of work that Matt Nagy has put out there, the body of work that Ryan Pace has put out there. Okay. What are you, what body of work are George McCaskey and Ted Phillips really looking at and saying, wow, I need, I need to have Ryan Pace back. I need to have Matt Nagy back because of the body of work. Are you talking about the body of work with Matt Nagy's offense that's been bottom of the league the last two seasons? Or Ryan Pace just missing on, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, bringing in Robert Quinn, bringing in Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, that body of work you feel comfortable with? So that is what I don't get, Will, that they George McCassie is referring to those two guys, Matt uh, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, to solve this problem. And because of their body of work, well, their body of work shouldn't lead anybody to have any confidence that they can get this team out of this mediocrity, this eight and eight season that they just put back these past few seasons. And they kept talking on and on about how proud of the culture that is inside Hallis Hall right now. And they just kept going on and saying, you know, outside of wins and losses, what makes a strong culture is the people and having the people who can check through egos, learn from mistakes and build off of them. You've mentioned it, the body of work from Pace and Nagy, even though they're not enough, but they believe that the foundation is in place for the results to come sooner rather than later. And they expect to see them this year. And again, reiterating the fact that the continuity is best for the Bears at this time, even if that's not a popular decision. And how he kept framing that, like, I don't think people like this. I couldn't tell if he met within the organization, out of the organization, or both. Did you have a sense? Because it really felt like I think there's some people internally that would like to have a change, but they just didn't get it. You know, well, I didn't see it that way, but I, I now that you mention it, I, I think that, yeah, it is a valid point. But what, like the quote that he has when you sit back and look at what makes a successful organization besides wins and losses, it's the people that you have. I just immediately said, no, it's it's the wins that makes a successful organization. It's not like, yes, you can have a great culture with the right people, and that is very important, and that has helped the Bears stay together. But when you think about success, you think about success in the NFL, you think about how many times have they been to the playoffs and won games and made deep playoff runs and have been a legitimate contender to win Super Bowls. That's how – that's how I deem success. I don't think about like, hey, look at all the good guys we got in the locker room. Let's go eight and eight and, you know, go eight and eight again. That's that's not how I view success. I know these passionate Bears fans feel the exact same way. So when he said that, I'm like thinking in my head, and I wrote on my little, uh, my Samsung Galaxy tablet, no, it's about wins, you fool. It's about wins. So that just didn't make sense to me. And this isn't high school. This isn't middle school. There aren't any of those, you know, personal victories. Awards. Right. You know, yeah. it's, you're not here to, you know, teach young men uh, and instill good values in them. Everyone's there to win a Super Bowl, to win a title, to go to the playoffs, win playoff games. And all of those have been very hard to come by in Chicago. But to be 
I would say, happy with the organization, despite having everything that you should be aspiring for, is still a very... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. A confusing situation for me. And another confusing one is also that McCaskey and Ted Phillips do not have anyone above them in this organization with a football background. And I know that, uh, you know, Mark Potash, he was mentioned, uh, he actually had a really good question about it. And this is where it all kind of, to me, got really interesting. Just give this a listen. I think the criticism is that you you are judging te- uh, uh, the, the the coach and general manager and I think people feel you that the Bears need people more rooted in football to make that decision. Oh, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Um, well, um, that's a valid criticism. Uh, my performance is evaluated by ownership and the board, um, and that's how that process works. So again, not even mentioning, you know, maybe it would be wise to have a higher up football mind that can critique me and how I do my job. And right now I'm critiqued by the board and ownership, which is pretty much family uh, for George McCaskey. So that's, again, uh, I think you can start to dive in and see where things could be going astray here. But are you, I think this is a really good point that Mark made, though. Like, they should have someone who's either like the president of football operations or just a stronger football background that need to hold these two more accountable. Because I think what we're seeing right now, as we talked about on the top of the show, no accountability here uh, for your president, uh, for your chairman. And I think that's starting to trickle down. And if you're talking about a good culture, I don't think this is a great way to sustain it. Absolutely. Well, what, like that was a 15 word answer. Like I, I, my performance is evaluated by ownership and the board and that's how that process works. So I just wrote that down. Like, so this man is being evaluated, like you said, well, by family and very small amount of people in ultimately being the final say and making some very important decisions but like you said, he doesn't really have he doesn't have that football background. He referred to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pacer, my guys with a football background, and then he didn't hear the question right and gave this response. So that scares me. That means that, you know, like let's say they did get fired. Like he would be the ultimate, like say again and probably, you know, be it in the discussion to hire somebody else. But that's why he kept the status quo because no one's gonna really tell him no. And that's that's what kind of I think is is keeping this team from really progressing, because if George McCaskey is not going to really be um, surveyed or, or maybe just watched over by someone that has a football mind, then you're going to keep making the same stupid football decisions that don't don't obviously work out. But that was a very telling answer. And just seeing that no one really you know relegates him like that, that's a concern. It sure is. And I know they've also mentioned there's reasons for hope. And I, I know there are always going to be some positives if you look for them. They talk about a young foundation, better draft classes over the last three years. And then also, and this one is confusing to me how this is a positive, but you have a GM and a head coach that are learning. Ryan Pace is six years in this thing. And he also mentioned, do you think that's fair that he's in a spot where he's still learning? And I know their answer is yes. 
But I don't know, Nick. It's hard for me to explain why. I understand you always want to be learning. You don't want to be static. But it was framed as such like, oh, they're still getting the hang of this thing. What? That's exactly how I felt when when the answer of like, so six years is it? I mean, look, it's a tough job. And look, we're never going to know what that's like. But six years, you've had a, a go at this. And it seemed like he was still at the very beginning stages. And he's learned from those beginning stages. And that's where we're at today. So, yeah, I, I interpret it the exact same way that he's obviously still in this process, but still doesn't have the hang of it whatsoever. And that's why we're here at this point, wanting change, but still staying with the status quo. Are you as disgusted as I, I guess, am? I was going to say was, but it's not like the feeling has left me that they kept looking at that six-game losing streak as weird, a weird positive. Like, that was hit on from everyone who spoke with the media today about the team's ability to overcome that losing streak. Obviously, good teams and strong cultures, I believe, don't have one to begin with. But they kept looking at that as like a, a positive. Like, well, we were able to get out of it and win a few games and get into the playoffs. Again, if this is only a six-seed playoff system, like it's been every single year prior, the Bears do not get in. We're probably having a whole different discussion here today, and I'm still confused why you're looking at that six-game losing streak as a, a thing to point to as a silver lining. Yeah, and they all pointed to the six-game losing streak. Like, that's so Bears. So, like, you know that six-game losing streak we had? Man, we liked what we saw from that six-game losing streak. It just, it, as soon as I heard that, maybe the, the fourth time, I, like, had to tweet about it because it just didn't make sense. Like, obviously, they liked how they, they the locker room didn't, you know, disband and things didn't happen there. Which is fair because we thought it was going to happen. Yeah. We, we really thought it that did. could happen, and it didn't. And I think that's a fair point. But to go ahead and continue. But you don't have six game losing streaks. That's like the main points that like they, they kept saying like, well, other teams may have folded if they had this. Like you mentioned, well, other teams just don't have six game losing streaks. So this is not a factor. So it's just such a weird, I guess, way, way to look at it. Like, man, we really like the six game losing streak. <laughs> Come on, man. Like that is so bears. And that's where we're at right now. They look at the darkest point of the season and try to get the the light like right but come on that's not how it should be viewed you lost six games in a row and got you squeaked into the playoffs because the rams helped you out and that's how it should be viewed it shouldn't be a positive thing but the bears of course spun it that way right i have two big picture topics i think kind of encompass all four press conferences today that i want to discuss and then we can dive into uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy just a little bit more. Uh, those are going to be the contract status of Nagy and Pace, um, as well as uh, the leadership's trust in Nagy and Pace to get the quarterback position right, and some of the comments that Pace and Nagy mentioned on this as well. But before I get to those, Nick, is there anything else when it came to Ted Phillips and George McCaskey that you wanted to mention uh, that they talked about here today? No, just looking through my notes here, uh, we mentioned the body of work um not there's no like censorship on George McCaskey the positivity around the six games I think those were the main points that I took away from what George and Ted had to say but kind of going to now like the contracts that you're stating well someone on Twitter and this was kind of interesting because a lot of the Bears beat writers kind of were like oh well that's interesting if you go to the Bears website and again maybe this is not updated maybe it's not accurate as of today 
here, here's what you'll read under Ryan Pace. And, of course, we'll still talk about the contract. So Ryan Pace, the 2018 Sporting News NFL Executive of the Year, is in his sixth season as general manager of the Chicago Bears in 2020. He's the sixth general manager in franchise history after being hired on January 8, 2015. On January 1, 2018, the Bears announced a three-year contract extension for Pace, keeping him with the club through 2021. And people were like, wait, that's just on there? And I'm like, that can't be on there. So I went to go check. And obviously the, a lot of the questions were, what is your contract? But it was just so strange that they were so, they, well, obviously they didn't answer it, but why, why is that such a, why does it have to be such a mystery? And right. they, I know someone brought up like players contracts are visible and known. Why can't the general manager and the head coach of the football team be something known so fans can know about it. So maybe this can factor into why the decisions are being made when they are and why they're keeping status quo. Yes. Let's talk about that. But first I want to hear, I think people, if they missed the press conference, they should hear how these questions were attempted to be answered, but then we need to have that conversation because I'm right there with you. There's no reason why they should be as coy about them and secret and seclusive because it should be general knowledge of how long these guys are under contract. And let's just get to these first and let's talk about this a little bit more. So let's talk about, or let's listen to uh, Ted Phillips's response. And the question did come from Mark Podish as well. The contracts really aren't part part of this discussion. Um, Ryan and Matt both know um, that when improvements shown, uh, they'll take care of themselves. Um, so I'd like to leave that just as that with that comment. But you can't um, say when they're signed through. And in terms of the. F- when do their current? Uh, it's not really part. It's not really. It's not really pertinent to, to what we're talking about here today, in my opinion. So that's Ted. And then later, uh, Hub Arkich asked Ryan Pace to kind of give some of the details of his contract, framed it really nicely, like, hey, as reporters, we would like to have this information so we can report accurately. We can understand if it's the final year of your deal. And if you're making some big swings, we can kind of put it into some perspective, help us out. And then this is what Ryan Pace had to say. Ryan, with all due respect, we do know the terms of the players' contracts. I'm just asking when they expire. I don't care what you make or anything like that. And to me, Hub, that's just a that's just a non-factor in anything we're doing. I understand why you're asking it, but to me, it's just all about what's best for the team, and without getting into contract durations or any specifics. So again, walking around it, we're not going to get any answers. Didn't expect them. Uh, Applause to the reporters, though, because they did ask some really tough questions instead of getting them softballs here today, which uh, to me was another breath of fresh air. But Nick, why does it need to be so confusing and just not public information to know? Again, maybe Ryan Pace's contract does end after this year, at least according to the team website. But why not just double down on that and say that's the case? And why does it matter? I mean, we should know. Every other team puts this out there. It's I don't know if there's like extensions in place and they feel bad about them and they don't want to announce them, so they're embarrassed or what. But I can't think of one good reason why they wouldn't give us this, this information. Yeah, no, that's it was such a confusing, uh, I guess, responses when I when I heard you know Ted Phillips and Ryan Pace kind of talk about that. But the thing I was kind of thinking about, like, it does sound like according to Ted Phillips and how he framed it about the contract extension, it's like this is a must win year and that both Matt Nagy, regardless of what happened, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are connected. Like if yes. one's going, the other one is going. But 
like you can also look at it this way. Like they kept talking about the quarterback position. And if there are contracts in extensions in place, you don't necessarily need to groom a guy that can, needs to play right now. You can groom him for a year or two. And that's why they feel comfortable about their job. And that's why they're not talking about extensions because they know they're here for a little bit longer. That could be a scenario, but I, to, to answer your question, well, I really don't have a good answer why you just can't tell us. Like, like uh, Hub Arkesh was asking, like, just we don't care how much you make. Just when does it end? That's all we want to know. But it, it wasn't pertinent, right? According to Ted Phillips, that right. wasn't pertinent. You know, we're looking at the team's future. We're looking at getting over this uh, middle ground mediocrity that we're in. How long are you here for, man? I just need to know. You know, that's not pertinent. Like, I can be here one year. I can be here 10 years. It's all the same. I don't understand it what one bit whatsoever. And I also know they were asking about, you know, the COVID year and the drop of revenue because you don't have fans in the stands and things of that nature. Does that play a factor into it? They said no. You have to believe it has to take some sort of weight. But also you do see teams all across the league making some of these decisions. They don't want to maybe pay uh, two GMs and two coaches this year, if they do have to do a whole staff overhaul, then of course you have all the assistants that, uh, depending on their contracts, it could be a real expensive move at that. But I thought that was all very interesting. And then speaking of things that uh, piqued my ears today, Nick, it seems like 2021, they're lining up to try to swing for another home run at quarterback. I mean, that was mentioned uh, both from Ted Phillips and George McCaskey. And as we kind of transition here to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, it seems like everything's on the table in terms of how you can acquire a quarterback, whether it be another trade, free agency, the draft. To me, it really sounded like the draft just by how many times they referenced it. Reference Ryan Pace has good drafts lately. He can learn from his mistake. He won't mention what he can learn, but apparently there are lessons to learn. And I know that ownership says that they do believe that Matt and Ryan can deliver on the quarterback in 2021 due to what collaboration and their partnership and being able to work through some of these personnel decisions together. Unlike when they swung for Trubisky, Ryan Pace didn't have that kind of working relationship with John Fox. And Nick, I'm curious to your points here when it comes to the quarterback and it comes to these two, can you give me just one reason why you trust them to make this decision? I was going to be a be a nasty co-host and ask you to give me three, but I, in my notes, I'm like let's have Nick try to pull three out. But can you at least give us one? Uh, Matt Nagy was on the coaching staff that drafted Patrick Mahomes. That's that's all I can literally give you because there is no confidence in me, and I would think a lot of Bears fans that Ryan Pace can get the quarterback position right. Just look at Trubisky, Glennon, Foles. That's all you need to know. All of those have been disasters in terms of what the quarterback position has provided for this team or lack of, right? So that's the only thing. But it does seem like this time around, not like with John Fox, there is going to be that collaboration in choosing this quarterback. It was interesting, though, because I will say that for most of the press conference, it sounded like to me that Mitch Trubisky was out. Like, he's going to be the odd man out until, um, I think it was Mark Potash again. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. 
For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Ask the question, but how Ryan Pace was framing and answering is like, don't close a chapter. Like, he stopped that chapter and that was it. Like, Dan Durkin wrote, uh, tweeted, I might be wrong here, but it sounded like Pace was hinting in his answer to Potsy's question about Mitch that he was starting to say, He's not so sure Mitch should be written off just yet. I need to read transcript, but big X book. So, but I remember hearing it and thinking the exact same thing. Like, wait, this whole press conference seemed like, man, Mitch is like how they looking for more out of the quarterback position. But then that answer from pace, like it almost reeled it back in that it could be a possibility. Well, um, I don't know if you remember that part, Will, but what was just your interpretation of Mitch Trubisky and how they kind of view him? Like you, it felt like they were throwing him under the bus without naming names for the vast majority of this press conference. Uh, everyone mentioned, we need more of the quarterback decision. We're looking hard at the quarterback decision. We know that we need to get way more out of that position that we haven't gotten yet. And it really felt like they believe that they're just that one position away from everything else kind of coming together. And I understand that it's the most important position of football. I don't believe the Bears have gotten it right. So that's an obvious one to point to. But with that other comment, too, I wonder if it was almost kind of like the Allen Robinson comments where they're kind of keeping it open, although I think we already know how this story's already been written uh, because they don't want to just say publicly we're moving on from Mitch until they have that conversation with him. And I believe that's why they preface some of those answers by saying, well, the coaching staff is still in the midst of their postseason evaluations of all of our players. It's very true. And then how they kind of responded to Foles, they, they mentioned, well, the line wasn't in place. The running game wasn't as good. And then he got They, they made some excuses for him real quick. Yeah. So how I viewed that until that one answer from Pace, like Mitch is out. He's the fall guy, like Pagano was, kind of how you can view this thing. And then Foles, uh, and look, this is uh, me interpreting it, maybe not the guy, but who will be back out of the two. Yep, that's pretty much where I felt. So then you're looking at who plus Foles and what does that look like? If you're looking at a rookie in Foles, that's a whole different conversation depending on when that person gets drafted. If you're making another trade for some of these bigger names that are looking to go elsewhere, that creates a whole new dynamic that we will need to figure out. So it's interesting, but Pace did mention that this whole offseason is about the quarterback. So we had a whole offseason about the kicker. We had a whole offseason about tight end, and now we have a whole offseason about quarterback for a guy that when he was hired said every offseason is going to be about finding a quarterback. So we're finally here. This is the lesson. It took six years to get to priority number one. I'm curious here, Nick, because he also mentioned Ryan Pace, that management has given them, and I'm assuming that means Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, all of the resources that they can ask for when it comes to getting the quarterback that they believe is the best for this franchise. Do you get worried about the implications of that? Because I'm looking at, you know, cap space, which we already know is a disaster draft picks, mortgaging the bears future again, all for a quarterback. And if this is Ryan Pace's last year and he puts all of those resources on the table, spends them all, throws them all away. And he misses on this quarterback position again, Boy, is that going to set us back maybe a decade? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so when, when I heard all the resources, like 
All right, does that mean the Bears are going to push all their chips and all their draft stock into getting Deshaun Watson? That could salvage everything, but a likely scenario, probably not. And them trying to do whatever it is possible to get a quarterback. Ryan Pace has shown that he is not afraid to expend resources from years down the road. That's why, you know, this is the first time the Bears have a first-round draft pick since 2018. You look at Cleo Mack and things like that, they're trading picks all the damn time. But – yeah, that is a you 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 give the green light to Ryan Pace. He's gonna be. He's, I feel like a stupid decision's coming. Like from a, just a latest track record, I feel like we're on that course. And I know they said he's still learning. Well, you got to stop. You need to know. It can't be you're still learning when you're making whatever this next big you know mm-hmm. decision may be if it happens. So that scares me. Well, you have all the resources. I'm. I don't know how I feel about that. Do you feel like this is a higher risk? reward scenario than if they would have cut ties with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy? Because I feel like it has to be. Because if you bring in, or if you keep Ryan Pace here, and he does mortgage the future for a QB and he misses, whoever the next GM is has a huge hole. And we're already looking at a a decent-sized one to kind of dig ourselves out of already when it comes to cap space. And we just now got some draft capital back after barely having any after the Khalil Mack trade. And I feel like if he misses again... Whoever needs to be his predecessor, he's going to have a huge tough time compared to already the difficult task that if we would have moved on this year, we would have faced. But if we're looking at 2022 or beyond, and Ryan Pace totally screws the pooch here again, I feel like that puts this franchise in a much more damning situation than it already is. And I feel like I'm having a hard time weighing the risk reward of the current trajectory of this franchise. Yeah, and that's why I didn't agree with Ryan Pace being back. Now that he has the green light and you already felt like he should have been gone before this point, come on. Like, you're you're going to put all the, your, your eggs in one basket in a guy that really, you know, is hit on some draft picks. I'll give him that. Obviously, there are some good players that Ryan Pace has drafted, but the, the, the position – he's got it completely wrong. And, you know, they George was asked about that, I think, just like – okay with Nick Foles, Trubisky and, and Glennon, like what gives you confidence again, circling around, giving a, an accurate answer, but that's what is so, I think frightening that, that whatever can happen in the next couple months could be detrimental to the bears future for years down the road. And it's interesting too, because in order for Nagy and Pace to stay, you feel like, and again, it's been a, apparently a few days of Hollis Hall where things have been kind of, I guess I'll use the word heated, but I think probably just real like deep reflection internally. And you have to believe that they gave them a story or they gave them a plan that is going to, that ease their tension enough to keep them here. Because if they didn't, I would say this decision gets even more damning real quickly. But when Pace was asked about it today, and again, he doesn't need a tip his hand show us his cards right now fully, but any sort of plan would have been nice to hear. And when asked about, you know, how do you go from the current culture of the eight and eight teams to a winning one? He said they need to identify what the problems are and go fix it. So that tells me they do not know what the problems are now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't know what your problems are. And, but like, I think one of the, the common, like, oh, well, it's, it's been three days since the season's ended. We're still, we're still going in the evaluating phrase. Like, no, 
Like, if we can see the problems, you should know it, but I feel like they don't. Anything that you want to mention about, I know Pace talked about cap issues and needs to be conscious of it. There's always ways to make space, which again gets me real wary because either you're going to be losing some talented players or he's going to be restructuring contracts that are already kind of bubbling up and he keeps pushing this money back. It's kind of like moving debt from one credit card to another. Eventually the payment's going to be due. Uh, but uh, anything else about Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy? I know Pace also mentioned uh, learning through experiences. He's getting better with this every single year. And not a lot of teams have, again, the relationships within the building to make decisions together. And I think what we need to understand or what they should understand is even though you like everyone that you're working with and you can make a decision that you all agree with, it doesn't make any one of you right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the only other thing, Will, is that um, it was um, mentioned in this press conference that Cleo Mack was dealing with a, a shoulder injury, I believe, right? That's what... Um, yeah, that was real. Yeah, so, yeah, that's how they that's how they framed it. That was real. So, um, and they didn't say whether or not he needs surgery or... But it was, in fact, like Will just stated, it was real. But that, that was the only other thing that I wanted to bring up. I wish someone would have asked about Jalen Johnson's shoulder and if that was going to need a surgery because he's mentioned no serious or no major surgeries are going to be planned, at least in their knowledge as of right now. I know they're still going through physicals, but I don't know. No major surgery feels like some people will be having surgery. And if Jalen Johnson who already has a huge list of surgeries he's had on both of his shoulders has another one. It just starts to be almost become worst case scenario. Like we knew when we drafted him in May, like there's a little bit of risk here, real talented player, but those shoulders are concerning. And he missed the last few games of the season was unable to go for the playoffs. And he does, even if he needs a quote minor surgery on his shoulder, I think that would be concerning to bears fans. Um, but outside of that, Nick, I do have just a few questions as we kind of wrap up uh, the press conference portion of this week's show. Confidence level in Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, getting the QB right in 2021. I mean, well, it's got to be, for me, like a three, three, two, like in that range. It's they haven't, We haven't seen it. And the closest person that has had any success was Matt Nagy when he was an offensive coordinator with the Chiefs. I don't know how much input he had, but he was on the staff. So I don't know if you give him a little bit of, hey, he, he was on the staff to pick Patrick Mahomes. That's, that counts for something. But there, there really isn't any confidence. We've seen the guys that they've selected and their willingness not to select guys when, you know, Matt, Ryan Pace said when he got here, every single year you draft a quarterback. Now you have to. Or now you have to select a quarterback. All the pressure's on. Do you think Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy can get that right when they have to get somebody? And if they don't, they're most likely out. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure for one decision, more so than it already is. Uh, with you, Nick, I'm at about a two or a three. I don't know why you can be above a five in this regard, unless you're just doing the whole losing streak mantra that I was doing, right? Like it's real hard to miss on four quarterbacks or it's real hard to miss on five. Like <laughs> eventually you have to hit on one, right? No, we've seen this. We've been Chicago Bears fans long enough. You can continually miss at this uh, position. Uh, I'm curious, though, um, if... Now, you already kind of mentioned this one uh, a little bit more informally, but this whole last few days, it's like, well, maybe Ryan Pace is gone, but Nagy stays. Or maybe Nagy's gone, but Ryan Pace stays. Or maybe Ryan Pace gets a promotion, and then Nagy's gone. But it really seemed like today, and you said it, 
They are now tied together. I believe how it was framed today, they are married. Once one goes, the other's going to go, at least as it stands today. Unless for some reason the whole team implodes, we lose a, a lot of games, but they believe in the talent that Ryan Pace acquired this offseason, and they believe it was a coaching fault. That's the only way I see that working out. But as it was framed, it's Matt and Ryan work well together. Matt and Ryan. Matt and Ryan. So I think right now the success or the failure will determine their fates here in Chicago collectively. Absolutely. To actually, so going back to the point, like what's Ryan Pace's contract? He did mention, which maybe were some hints, like obviously he from here, went to Eastern Illinois. He's got family here. He kept mentioning that. And like the roots are here. And he kept, and when he was talking about giving that answer, it's like, hmm, like obviously the Bears website says the contract's through 2021. But he's like, I know how Bears fans think. My family's here. Is he here for longer? So I don't, again, maybe looking too into it, but I do agree. Like I said earlier, when, when, or not, not an if, more like a when Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy go, they'll both go at the same time. It's not you're keeping one and then that, bringing in the next regime, the next general manager, and then he has to deal with Matt Nagy. When one goes, the other one's going, and that's that settles it. All right, tough questions. We're going to keep rolling. It's, just, it's a great theme today. Everyone's been asking tough ones. Nick, when we look back at this decision, because it's one that's either going to make or break this franchise for a decent amount of time, are we going to see this as one that sets the Bears back, which is everyone's fear? It's hard not to not to think that way, Will, um, because they have to get the most important position right with, with quarterback. They have to find pass rush. They need to draft possibly a wide receiver when Allen Robinson maybe goes if they don't franchise tag. There's a lot of holes left for what – look, last se- – this 2020 season was supposed to be a win, must win, go to the playoffs and a deep run in the playoffs. Didn't happen. Now this is it. This is definitely it in terms of what the Bears have to do and be a successful team and have a successful season. So there's just so many things that are preventing them from actually accomplishing that. So, yeah, I don't I I mean, I'm just not confident that they can't do that. But I think it, it will be a move that will ultimately set this franchise back. OK, uh, on top of that now, I'm going through my notes. That was a really good response that you had there, Nick, on it. I'm with you. It's hard to expect anything other than that right now obviously it can go in any other direction they could get better they could make this decision right and we could find ourselves in uh favorable positions moving forward there's just a lot of ifs in between here and there and my confidence isn't surely there to expect them to really get all those answers right in particular the most important one as a fan, how do you feel about the Bears wanting to remain steady here for another year and roll it back? Because it feels like this is another offseason of going all in in 2021 after we already went all in in 2018. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. All in in 2019, all in in 2020, and it's just starting to feel really mute, at least to me at this point. 
Well, I think it feels that way is because the results aren't there. Like you're going all in and you win eight and eight, you win all in again and you're eight and eight again. Like that's what, like as a fan, and when you look forward towards the 2021 season, look, no doubt, like once that starts to approach, we get closer, we're going to get excited, but I don't know if expectations should be anything higher than eight and eight. You're bringing the exact same people that have led you down that road the past two seasons. Why should you expect anything better? Okay, I have another tough one for you. What's most likely? The Bears pull off another big trade for a quarterback to hopefully get it right or a trade up in the first round to get one of the top, say, three or four QBs? Hmm. I'll, man, they need, they would need a quarterback that can win now. And it is a pretty good draft class in the top half. And we know Pace, he's had a history of doing it. And he's got a first round draft pick this year. And he knows he'll have years down the road. I'm going to say trading up in the draft day one in that top, top five range. Uh, That I think is more likely than trading for one of the quarterbacks that's out there right now. But again, both are very unlikely, but I'll go with that one. What are you thinking? I feel like it has to be right. It's to trade. Well, either way, you're going to give up a ton of capital. So I don't know. I really think it's going to go either way. If he goes for one of the quarterbacks out there now, which I think, I don't know why we're dancing around it. You're looking at a Deshaun Watson. If you're going to make a big old move like that, which could be very unlikely, but that would really make up for some of the sins in the past uh, as the phrase goes. Although then you're really, again, you're mortgaging your future and how the Bears front office is kind of coming across. And Watson's already having issues with the front office down in Houston. Who knows if this would be a destination that he would even kind of push for. Uh, So perhaps for that reason, the draft makes more sense to me. And even if you don't go top five, you can probably still get one in the top 10, depending on how needs go and how the draft falls. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, that could definitely be a possible scenario. I'm like looking up free agent quarterbacks. Obviously, number one's Dak Prescott. I'm not advocating for this, but do you think the name Carson Wentz enters the, the the rooms of Hallis Hall knowing that he's in a similar system? Maybe he had a bad year where Doug Peterson was fired. And I don't know if anyone in the chat wants to weigh in what you think, like a Carson Wentz. Like if you need somebody that obviously is experienced, had a terrible, terrible season, is that an option? Are you are, are you going to take that contract too? Like that's also mortgaging yeah. the future as well, but just pointing out scenarios, I, everything's on the table. And I love the the gift that you used uh, earlier. Well, with, I made that. You had. Oh, you made that. That's oh, That's fantastic. I, I love, I loved it, but um, maybe I have no idea though. Wow. Wouldn't that be a, gosh, it feels like you just get everyone's hand-me-downs though. Consistently when you have something like that, like Wenson falls in the same QB room. Woohoo, where'd you learn that one bring from? Bringing Doug Peterson as your offensive coordinator, you have the Eagles as the Bears. The, I don't think once would want to work with Peterson again. That's true. They hate each other, so scratch that. Right. But hey, just bring the band. Everyone, every failed branch of the Andy Reid tree, come on in. If we have enough wood glue, we can reinstill it and it, it'll, it'll all work. I promise. Nick, did we learn anything today? We didn't learn. I think we learned some stuff. I think we did. I learned that they don't know the root of their problem from the top Mm -hmm. down. They don't know what their problem is. That's something that we learned. I think we kind of already knew it. They didn't admit it, but it definitely was on full display today. So I'm going to take it as a learning, unfortunately. 
I guess, yeah, that's that's a good point there, Will. I guess we also um, learned that this organization and George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, have faith in the body of work that doesn't warrant to have confidence. Normal people wouldn't have confidence in, but they do. So we learned that they're insane, delusional, not not the smartest uh, cream of the crop there. Like, that's, that's what I kind of learned. All of the above. Next time I see McCaskey in person, I won't have that big smile on my face. I won't take my selfie with him. Um, and I won't be like, I think the last time we saw him was right after the 2018 season. Yeah, because we saw him before they made us rebrand. Saw him again. It was like after that 12 and 4 year and like, wow, things were going really well. You know, good job. Boy, do I wish I would take that back. Yeah, I'm, the last time I saw him was at Bears fitting. He was doing some weird exercises, probably thinking like, why did I get Ryan Pace and doing all this crap? But yeah. It's been been some time. Mm, if you become his personal trainer and he doesn't remember who you are, you can get some get some good nuggets and just kind of spew them on the podcast. Like, I have a source. I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> like, it's, hey. I'll wear a hat, too. You, you won't even know who I am. And act like you don't know who he is, and he'll just complain about the Bears all aside-like. <laughs> and, yeah, that, that will be in. That's, that works. That's, mm-hmm. that's our new path. But, yeah, no, I think we learn – they don't know what their problem is. I believe we learned it is a do-or-die season for uh, Pace and Nagy. They're going to have to go all in to find a way to win now with a new quarterback, which to me, you need to either get one of the top guys in the draft or you're going to have to find a top guy out there currently in the NFL. Neither is going to come cheap, and there's going to be some huge trade-offs of any path that the Bears take here. Um, but, yeah, and other than that, they're working together, and apparently they have a really good time doing it, and they're looking forward to another offseason together to – try to make decisions collaboratively and hopefully this time they're the right ones. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, easier said than done there. Will. All right. So on top of all this, we also found out that over the last day that the Chicago bears now former defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano has officially retired. Uh, let's be real. Either he was going to get fired or the bears were going to allow him to retire. And I think he kind of took the graceful path out of Hallis hall. And this was just a nice gesture for everyone to save face, but alas, regardless, the end result is the same. Chuck Pagano is gone and the bears are now in search of a new defensive coordinator. Nick, I just want to know how are you feeling about Pagano leaving? It feels like it was necessary, but yet I think fans would understand not enough. Yeah, it's um, obviously the defense has regressed since Chuck Pagano has taken over. And but look, they were the only reason that the Bears were even in this game against the Saints. Like to be completely honest, how that unit played this missing Roquan Smith. But I think it was a foregone conclusion. I know I've mentioned that on previous podcasts before the season was over that Pagano would be out and just seemed like a, uh, the fall guy again, similar to how Harry Heastand and Kevin Gilbride and Mark Helfrich were the fall guys going into the 2019 season or after the 2019 season. So it just seemed like that was going to be, that's, that's how I looked at it once Pagano was retiring. Yes, retiring. I was like, yes, that's what you, you said it right. I'm making sure here. Yeah, I'm, it's interesting because usually when people leave, we like to you know commemorate them, which, again, Chuck Pagano, great guy, great person. But, Nick, this is the problem. Great guy, great person doesn't necessarily make him a great defensive coordinator, at least for this Chicago Bears team, at least for the NFL right now. We weren't getting the results, and even though we like Chuck off the field, we need to find something more. And I wish that that same mindset would have been applied 
to some other areas within this organization. Um, but usually, Nick, we take a moment, we reflect on the best moments and everything like that. We did, I mean, we did a whole tribute to Vic Fangio, but that was warranted. But Chuck Pagano, as the Bears defensive coordinator, I can't really grasp at like strong positives. And it's like, you know, he really took care of Tom Brady this season, you know, against the Buccaneers. That was a positive. But when it comes to the Bears defense as a whole, we can honestly admit, Nick, since he took over, all we have seen is steady regression. Yeah, steady regression, and we've seen spurts where we've mentioned like, oh, that looked like Vic Fangio's unit, but it was just so inconsistent to where we knew that that wasn't going to be the case with with this defense under Chuck Pagano. But yeah, I think that is definitely one of the, the highlight moments, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. You can look at last year's game against the Minnesota Vikings right before they played the Raiders in London. They kind of, they shut down the NFL's leading rusher and Dalvin cook that day. Um, but it, it was too limited too many. Like you can count one hand. And if you're missing a couple fingers, you can get the same amount of times that, you know, Chuck Pagano had some good games there and which is the problem. And look, I think now it's a good time for him probably re- again, retire. Um, he can spend time with his family. And that's what he's kind of alluded to. And he's been through a lot, you know, going through cancer, beating cancer and, you know, being a football coach, that's awesome for him. So, you know, wish him the best of luck, but it, like you said, it was time for the bears to move on. And, you know, it's not going to be easy to just find somebody that's going to be a top 10 defense. Like that's what Chuck Pagano's units were. They were a little, you know, top 10 is being nice, but it's going to be tough to find someone that could do, that or even better. I would I would argue with that a little bit. I think he took something that was really strong. Again, remember last season we returned twenty of twenty two starters. Most of the defense came back besides Bryce Callahan in uh, a safety. So there were things that we were working toward that seemed like we were going to be able to keep status quo, and he couldn't even keep it at that. So for me, I think you could find someone that can maybe reinstill some tenacity in this defense because that was gone and on top of that some of that uh this energy and passion that you see some of the other defenses in the league play with as well as some fun I mean go back to the 2018 team watch them play defense look at the aggressiveness look at how much fun they're having bullying quarterbacks and getting after them the defensive line the secondary being aggressive and coming away with those big takeaways that's been missing. And I don't know if it was just because Chuck was a little softer than Vic, which I think we can agree he probably was. Not the same kind of uh, rah-rah. Not, not that Vic was a rah-rah coach, but he's like the dad that you know you better not disappoint. Like if you disappoint Vic Fangio and you go in the doghouse, you're in trouble. I don't think we had that same kind of accountability with Chuck Pagano, which led to some complacency around here on this defense. And that's, to me, something that I want to find a way to get back to is what we kind of had more with Vic, but not doing the same thing Vic did because that's not going to work. You can't bring someone in here and say, run Vic's system and get back to that defense. You need to bring someone in here that wants to put their own wrinkle on it, but whatever that wrinkle needs to uh, is, it needs to be one, like I said, that brings back some of that nasty to this defense. And I, I know that Jay Rogers is an interesting in-house candidate. Uh, Brad Biggs also mentioned safety's coach Sean Desai, uh, who Fangio did want to bring to Denver, but the Bears blocked that a couple seasons ago, uh, would be another uh, in-house candidate that's exciting. And I know with like Jay Rogers, he's always up front. He's a defensive line coach for people who don't know. He's always brought guys who are not really with high expectations to getting the most out of them. Look at Nick Williams a year ago. 
Uh, then even this season, John Jenkins and a Brent Urban. So he's always doing like uh, getting the most out of his players, but that doesn't mean that he's already going to be ready to make play calls, run the whole defense. And what I fear about going with either in-house candidate, Nick, would be some of that complacency still in place. And they wouldn't really reinvigorate this defense that we can probably get if we do look outside. What are your thoughts about some in-house candidates and the pros and the cons? Yeah, no, looking at Jay Rogers, like, he already knows all the defensive guys, right? I know he specifically works with a defense alignment, but he doesn't have to really establish himself there because he's already been here. Like, the, the defensive guys know him. So that's, I guess, my concern. And, you know, obviously being the first time at calling plays with a must-win season, are the Bears going to want somebody that has a little bit more experience doing so? So that's something to be uh, to keep into consideration when you're thinking about defensive coordinator, who could possibly fill that. But uh, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic wrote a really good article about some candidates. And Aaron Glean from the Saints, he's their secondary coach, Mm -hmm. was one of the guys that he put on there. And look, uh, the Bears have lacked turnover since Chuck Pagano's got here. And the Saints this year were tied for first in the league with interceptions under the guidance of Aaron Glean, the the secondary coach there. So that could be a possibility. Another guy that I thought was kind of intriguing – uh, Joe Barry, the Rams assistant head coach, that's linebackers coach. Look how that Rams defense has been playing, and Leonard Floyd is on there tearing it up right now. So he can get the most out of players that obviously the Bears couldn't. So that is somebody that was also just a name. And look, I haven't done like the most in depth research of seeing like how these guys can fit, what exact systems could be run in Chicago. But those are names I initially saw. Like, okay, I'll, I'll jot that down. Let's do some homework. See what these guys are really about, and. We'll, we'll come to that conclusion in a little bit. Yeah, for Aaron from the Saints, I know he was a 15-year NF, NFL vet, a lot of experience playing as well. Uh, the DB's coach in New Orleans since 2016, and he's been churning out a plethora of great DBs down there in New Orleans. Big reason why Marshawn Lattimore has been able to kind of turn around his career like he has as well. You talked about the takeaways, and on top of that too, that defense, uh, he really helped that pass defense, ranked I think fifth in NFL yards allowed per game this season, six in yards allowed, uh, as well as per pass play, and fourth at the interception rate, so interceptions per pass. Luckily, I had those from last week. I unfortunately had to repurpose them here this week, but that's that's okay. Um, and then another one that you didn't mention would be uh, Gerald Alexander, who's a DBs coach from Miami and the Dolphins down there. Another former NFL DB. Uh, this is, though, his only season as a position coach in the NFL. Um, but when you watch that Dolphin secondary play with the energy and the passion. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. It excites me, and he's helped create a top five defense down there in Miami that's uh, top five in points allowed at 18.4 points per game. The NFL's top third down defense and also the best takeaway unit with 29 combined interceptions and fumbles recovered. So I think we're along the same lines. We want to find someone that can bring some aggressiveness back, find that magic formula to get the turnovers back. And I think the other thing that we need to consider here too when we're looking at this in the future, and maybe they make a decision here soon, we would all this to kind of go away here quickly. 
But whoever comes in, they need to get the most out of what the Bears are investing in the most on defense. I'm looking at Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson. They need to find a way to untap them because the last two seasons, I'm tired, Nick, and I've been thinking hard about this. I'm tired of teams being able to take away Khalil Mack. And I know we can have the double, triple team conversation, but when you look around the NFL, there are plenty of edge defenders who are getting double teamed or getting triple teams, but defenses find a way to get them involved. And I don't think that should be an excuse for us anymore. Mack gets paid way too much to be consistently phased out. If the NFL found a solution for Khalil Mack, we are screwed. So the Bears need to find a way to counter what the NFL has done for Khalil. And I know there's holdings and things like that, but we're not going to get into those right now. Uh, on top of that, so getting the most out of the playmakers, getting more aggressive. Do you think you're going to best suited finding that in-house or out-of-house? I think out-of-house to me makes a lot of sense. Of course, that does create potentially more turnover when it comes to some positional coaches, uh, which is another, I guess, trade-off here. And even when it comes to scheme, I've been thinking about this off and on for the last two nights now. I don't think it matters if it's 3-4 or 4-3 anymore. You see teams run multiple fronts. The Bears do it all the time right now. So I don't think you need to, if fans are listening and they're wanting to do their own research, I don't think you only need to look at 4-3 coaches or only 3-4 coaches. I think you can look at anyone who is any, from any system in the NFL and you can apply it over as long as you like the defense and what they're doing. That's a good point, Will. And I got to imagine that there's some coaches out there, maybe guys that we mentioned, or other assistants are like, man, if I just had a Khalil Mack, I would know what to do with him. But go ahead, Will. Well, one more question. Would you like someone who's an up-and-coming positional guy so you're younger, which I think would really vibe well with what Nagy's trying to do here? Because, again, you keep bringing in his old defensive coaches, which Vic Fangio, I think he's his own breed, so that's okay. But I think when you go, like, I know people are talking about, like, uh, Wade Phillips uh, and uh, things like that. I don't know. I'm kind of tired of the old head coaches that failed and bringing them back to being my defensive coordinator. <laughs> and I think that's almost like a handcuff for Nagy still to be like, well, I'm learning more about head coaching from this guy. And I'm, I want this to be Nagy's ship. If they're going to put all the success and failure at his feet, why not bring in another young, big energy type of guy for defense and Maybe it's time for you, Matt, to teach him how to be a better coach at a higher degree than where you're at right now. So, I, again, I and there could be good candidates out there with head coaching experience, and I'm not going to completely block it out. But I think I would lean towards someone that I would trust can take that step forward, even if they don't have the the resume that shows that they can call plays or anything like that, as long as I know they can instill a culture on defense that's been lacking. I mean, that's a good point, Will, and I think – I don't know if we're going to start seeing a trend where defensive coordinators are now starting to become head coaches, like to kind of go a little bit off top. Like Robert Sala is a very highly coveted guy right now because, and he's a defensive guy. Like that's not usually the trend that people find in head coaches, but it would be, I guess, a breath of fresh air to find someone that's younger who does bring that energy. But the thing is like, they need to win now. So can you really invest in somebody that can, maybe take some time who's going to be learning six years in like Ryan Pace is. No, I'm just kidding. To, to finally get this right. But all things that the Bears need to consider, and they look, they can't mess up. You mess up at any one of these big big positions, whether it's coaching or actual like players' positions, you're, you're, they're, those higher-ups, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, will be out. So it's going to be an intense, hopefully it becomes intense because it was way too laid back in the press conferences today, but it needs to be an intense, vigorous process that they need to start right now.
Yep, absolutely. Do you think, I know there, there are some rumblings out there that maybe this is not even an enticing position in the NFL due to this lame duck environment that the Bears are setting up. I think it depends. Obviously, of course, the individual and what they're wanting their career to look like, but I have a hard time believing if we're looking at some of these positional coaches, if they get a, an offer for a defensive coordinator gig, unless they really like where they're at, I have to see a hard time them actually turning it down. And then secondly, you have a defense as it sits today with a Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith. You have names. And if you believe you can get the most out of them, I think it's still a very enticing job for some of the players that you would have to coach. Yeah, I would think that if someone was given the opportunity, they're just gonna they're gonna take it and no questions asked. Like you those are all those players you mentioned, like if a defensive coordinator can't get the most out of those guys, then what what do you think the other defenses in the league look like? I mean, it's not that well rounded, and that's why we expected more from this defense and why ultimately Chuck Magano is no longer here. He just couldn't get the most out of all those big names that you just mentioned, which is I think plenty enough for a defensive coordinator to get the most out of. Yes, the players need to play better, but yeah, any potential candidate is going to look at this job. I still think despite eight and eight seasons and, you know, I guess if you want to look at possibly playoffs in two of the three seasons, I I know people won't look at it that way, but I still think it's a very enticing job. Okay. Anything else on the opening vacancy that the Bears have? The loan vacancy as it stands, uh, at least at this recording, things are always destined to change. Um, I plead the fifth. Oh, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> that was, I, well, who said that? To, it was Alan Robinson that said that about um, the franchise tag. And then it was Cameron Jordan when they asked about, I don't know if you saw this clip. Well, I saw but that. They were, yeah. Preparing, preparing for Mitch Trubisky. Like, where is that ring? Is he a and threat? Cameron Jordan, mm. <laughs> can I plead the fifth? <laughs> so that's where I'm going. Do you feel any better about the press conference now that we're a few hours after it and we've already discussed it? Was it, did you find any additional substance with our conversation, putting things into a, not a different perspective, but at least vocalizing it? I don't think I feel any better, but it did feel good at least get on the same page as as to what they were putting out there so we can be aligned as, again, Nick, I like working with you. The good good thing is I think we do a good job together. So that's a hand-in-hand. That's a win-win situation. But now the Bears need to find out if the guys that they like working with and working together, collaborating with, dang it, I heard the word so many times that you think I wouldn't stumble over it. Uh, But I think now we got to find out if they can not just work well together, but work well towards finding the correct solutions for this franchise. And that's where my confidence takes a, a nosedive. Yeah, absolutely. They got to collaborate like we do, Will, and then they'll be in a good spot. But um, actually, so I would I re-listened to a good portion of it before today's podcast, and the things that I wrote down, I'm like, are you kidding me? So it was good talking about it, and then, like you said, being on the same page. But nothing made me feel better than my initial reaction when I heard it earlier today. So that's where I'm at. But at least we're on the same page. We know exactly what they said, and what what they really didn't say and now they just gotta collaborate some more to get on hopefully the right track do you still believe alan robinson's gone based off of what we heard today too i think that like he's not a fan of the franchise tag and i get that and he can pull a levy on bell and you know obviously not play here but i think that's where it's heading 
And the comment about him, like we had 300, 365 days to kind of solve this, that really was like, all right, see you later, A-Rob. It was really nice while we had it here, but I think it will end up being some kind of tag, um, franchise tag most likely, but I'm, I'm not confident in saying that. I think it, Alan Robinson will be gone. That's tough, right? Because if you tag him, you're paying him a lot of money and you still don't have any security for the future. And on top of that, Nick, if you lose Alan Robinson, this is another question I had in my notes and I forgot about. If you lose A-Rob, how much harder does that make actually getting that quarterback position right? Because you you are already doing whoever that person is a huge disservice by letting the best wide receiver Chicago's had in a very long time simply walk away. And then the Bears are, hey, maybe, and this is another interesting thing I've been thinking through, even if they got the right guy, then who's he throwing to? And then how can you properly assess him if he doesn't have a wide receiver one like Allen Robinson? It's, I think that puts this whole organization in a tougher bind for the quarterback position. And obviously, if you have the right QB, you can have less talented playmakers and they can still help them achieve higher accomplishments. But I feel like if you and if you're Matt Nagy and I also Ryan Pace and you know that your success or your contract situation, that's how I'll phrase it, here in Chicago hinges on your ability to unlock the quarterback in 2021 and you let your best wide receiver walk, it's like having uh, a cheat code and not using it. And then you have to find a way to do it the hard way. Yeah. So it's, it's not, and then you just look at the other guys, like is Anthony Miller going to be back? And like, there's, it's going to be a huge hole, especially if Robinson's gone, but I know a couple people in the chat mentioned sign and trade that that's also an option and maybe could be the most likely one, honestly, for, for what could happen with Allen Robinson. But, yeah, whichever quarterback does come here and they don't see that they have Allen Robinson, which was almost all the Bears offense combined with David Montgomery, and you have Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor still collaborating with play calling, good luck. So it's it, all the, everything's against the Bears. When I, now that we, we keep on talking about it, it seems like everything's against them, and that's just not a way that you want – that's not what you want to have going into another must-win season. It's everything's connected. There's going to be a trickle down effect from the Allen Robinson decision. And as we already know, the decision to keep Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, which Nick, as much as we are confused by it, I think we're more confused about why or how they framed it. Like if they would have said, you know what, here are the five reasons why Matt and Ryan deserve to be here. Maybe I'd have a different tone today, but they just felt like the only thing they can tell us is that they work well together and they think they're good people. And that's not enough. That's not going to win you ball games here in the NFL. Uh, that's not going to put fans in the stands when we can allow fans back in them. And that's what concerns me is that they couldn't even give us concrete examples of why they're here. And then the guys who were staying here, Pace and Aggie, could not give us concrete examples or plans as to how they're going to do better other than we need to identify the problem and then fix it, which is the most generic BS we could have ever asked for, which isn't a surprise you just wish we could have had some sort of authenticity come through today from anyone who talked. We didn't get it. And again, no surprise, just still super unfortunate. Yeah. And like, we didn't even mention a lot what Matt Nagy said because he didn't say anything. Right. So that was a whole press conference that he was there for. And there wasn't any substance, real substance 
that you can actually take from Nagy's press conference, other than what we need more out of the quarterback position, which was said by the, the last three people. So, yeah, I agree with you. It was, um, yeah, probably a waste of time when you look at it, like collectively. I know we got some things that we can take out of it, but we didn't get much, and the Bears don't seem like they have answers to their biggest problems, which obviously is a problem. Well, they spoke for about 90 minutes combined. Right now we're at about 72 minutes, 72 and a half. I feel like we've given a lot more substance. I think we're able to put things in a much deeper context that we heard earlier today. So I think we did a pretty good job, and I think it's time to call it an episode. What do you think? I think that's a good way to end it, Will. All right, well, I'll do it. Make sure to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Uh, we really want to give away that next free Bears jersey to one lucky reviewer. And, of course, that happens once we reach number 700. And, Nick, before we officially sign off, do you want the people know how they can get a shout-out on our next show? Yeah, absolutely. So, and look, it's the off-season, but we're still giving out shout-outs to all the shows that we'll be doing throughout the off-season. So you can get a shout-out if you send us a donation through Venmo or PayPal. And on Venmo, the handle is at the Chicago Audible. Should see my name and the Chicago Audible logo. Now, PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Again, any donation will help us just to help run this show like we're doing right now. And you get a shout out on the next podcast. Again, Venmo is at the Chicago Audible. PayPal is www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And we'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. So feel free to do that whenever you have some free time. And if you want to come up with something hilarious about Pace and Nagy for us to read on the next one, I would love yeah. to see what you have in store uh, so we can put out those shout outs properly. All right. But if no major news breaks, our next show, Nick, I believe is going to be our annual award show, which I almost feel, and this is me just off the cuff here, almost feel like out of every single year, how things are going right now, it just feels like the most awkward next possible episode that we can have. But I'm here to embrace the awkwardness, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll do, we'll make fun with the entire episode, and yeah, we'll it's gonna be weird, but we'll make the best out of it. And, and then we can move on to the state of the franchise and really kind of dig in, rip the team apart, and find a way to stitch it back together. As you and I, we need to start working out some official plans, outlaying them on the podcast on how we can help put the Bears in a stronger position here in 2021 which is going to give people a lot more substance than they had today. Everyone, that's what all Bears fans were hoping to hear. And I'm excited to continue our off-season episodes. Uh, but again, our next one will be, unless anything major breaks beforehand, the awards show, and then we'll jump into our annual State of the Franchise episodes. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>
Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.